Welcome to Access On Air, a podcast made for and by young journalists, creators, and activists. My name is Melissa Franco. I'm 21 years old, and I am a journalist and visual artist. We'll be sharing about the stories we've written in the past week, uh, the murders of Black people in America, and how Sacramento residents are organizing healing spaces, the passing of Sacramento Black Panther Party founding member Charles Brunson, student homelessness in California, and resources from Sac State, how California renters are going to pay when protections are lifted, and the possibility of returning to on-campus learning versus distance learning this fall. Uh, Hi, my name is Julia Sidley. I'm a neighborhood news correspondent. I'm 17 years old. I've been working at Access for two years now, and I'm also a community activist. I'm Julian. I'm 22 years old, and I'm a recent graduate of UC Santa Cruz, and I've been with Access for probably on and off for about two or three years now. Uh, My name is Romeo. I'm a music educator working with Sacramento Unified School District and San Joaquin District as well. Uh, fairly new to access, and uh, yeah. Uh, my name is Luis. I'm 21, uh, and I'm a filmmaker. Uh, and I'm also pretty new to access. Been here for uh, under a year. So um, I will start off this long list of stories that we we've all been working on. On Monday, at the state capitol, um, a Sacramento resident organized a meditation gathering due to all of the anger, the the sadness that's going on in our city and nationwide right now. So yeah, his, his name is uh, DDA Ponte and um, over 25 people um, from Sacramento came to sit down and meditate with him. And uh, I went out and took a video of it. And yeah, it was, uh, it was really, peaceful and beautiful to see people come together and for him to hold that that healing space for people and tomorrow which is friday june 5th he will be hosting um another guided meditation at the capitol with a sacramento activist who goes by the name walk with grace on instagram Uh, she has quite a following so it seems like a lot of people will be attending this one and there's going to be a special guest performance. So, so yeah. That's crazy. It sounds like a whole like little parade happening. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you know what DDA stands for? I don't. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think it's really cool to have something that's um, amidst all like the chaos and the anger and all these negative emotions. It's nice to have something that's like relaxing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I personally, my my view on everything is all the rioting, all of the protests are very necessary in order to change what people think is normal today in this country and in the world. So uh, totally for the riots, totally for the protests, but I, I, I commend DDA Ponte for also adding to these gatherings, but with like a more peaceful approach because everyone is feeling really, really sad, really angry. And I feel like nobody has time to process or mourn anymore, mourn, mourn deaths of black people in America. Um, it's just something that just happens all the time. So, so yeah, it's mm-hmm. just, it's really great that he's, he's giving anyone, everyone a space to come and just heal and, and sit quietly for um, a few minutes. I think it's super important for for the movement right now. 
about how long did it go on? Um, I, I, I actually don't know. Um, I filmed it and then they started meditating and I actually stopped uh, filming after a while and I meditated as well. And I kind of lose track of time, so I don't know how long it was, but it couldn't have been more than, I don't know, 20 minutes of meditation. Um, yeah. It... Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if it was like a day event, <laughs> kind of on and off or. Yeah, it was no, like a set it was, it was a short time. Um, you know, there was only around 25 people, which is actually kind of a lot, but, um, I think a lot more people will be coming tomorrow to the Capitol. Um, he's been meditating at the Capitol like all week and he's just like, come, come if you want to meditate. So he's, he's there. He's been there every day. That's pretty interesting to take like a new vibe cool. on, like having a strong presence rather than actually being there amongst people who are probably there for not the right reasons. And some people who have their heart in the right place, you can kind of just have a group come together and just create a strong presence and like center emotions. That's really dope, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's much needed. We all need to get centered and <laughs> for sure have some peace. There's no peace in this freaking world. So <laughs> yeah, it's totally great that meditation brings that to us so um julian um would you would you like to share about your story that you did yeah so um a founding member of the sacramento black panther party chapter named uh, charles brunson passed away from covid19 last month and uh so i was looking to do kind of a retrospective on the sacramento black panther party and also on charles brunson as a person to kind of focus on the positive aspects of who he was rather than to um, make it another headline of X person died, uh, you know, something like that. And I think that from the interview that I had with former Black Panther, Akinsanya Cambone, uh, he sounded like a very brave and um, very uh, noble kind of person. He told me a lot of stories about uh, Brunson getting involved directly in fights and things like that. Like if two two Panthers were fighting and they had guns or something, he would stand right in the middle of them and uh, tell them not to fight each other because they were brothers. Uh, he would, there was apparently an instance where they were wanting to burn down a lot of things in Oak Park. Uh, they were trying to start some kind of riot or something like that. And he intervened and said that that's not how you do it. You don't. I think his quote was like, you don't burn down the barn when there's rats in it. Um, you don't burn down your own neighborhood. This is our neighborhood. And he sounded just really great. It's it's a shame that uh, he had to pass like this, but it's also good to remember the civil rights history in Sacramento itself and that the, the former chapter of the Black Panther Party is the building where it was is right in Oak Park where there's still gentrification and um, all kinds of relevant uh, issues to civil rights happening to this day. Uh, and especially with the protests that are happening now, I think that remembering the, the legacy of um, civil rights movements is important. African-American civil rights movements Definitely. specifically. Uh, I was having a discussion talking about uh, civil rights and how it took six days 
of rioting after Martin Luther King's death for there to be even the Civil Rights Act passed. And that was, this like kind of reminded me of that, like to have correlation in such a strong presence. Like when, do you know when it was started, the Sacramento chapter? I believe it was in 1968. Although there aren't too many sources for it directly online. And I don't think we touched on the exact date in my interview with uh, Mr. Cambone, but um, according to a pamphlet that exists on what looks to be a Black Panther website, it cites 1968 as the Sacramento chapter. That's pretty sick. It's I cr- think it was, oh, no, you go ahead, Melissa. I was going to say 69 was, I think, the year that everything was else going on. Yeah, it's crazy um, what Charles and him. Oh, his name is uh, yes, Atkinson. Atkinson. Yeah. Um, it's crazy that what what they were fighting for in the 60s, 70s is what we're fighting for today as uh, young people. Yeah. Yeah. That's really crazy. 50 years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think it's super easy to forget that, like, these were movements that took place in our communities. Like, when we're reading about, like, the history of these movements and we only hear the names of, like, national leaders. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that these movements and the people within our community that organized and were able to, like, stay on the ground and get everyone to mobilize is still super significant and interesting to mm-hmm. research and appreciate and just recognize. Definitely, because I feel like the people, like, 20 years from now, hopefully like god forbid it's still happening but mm-hmm. whenever an oppression could happen like this i feel like to like you said going back and looking at the examples of what's happened beforehand could give you a more better understanding of how you can organize and come together peacefully and not disassociate yourself with what's happening in society for sure julia would you be able to talk a little bit about your article yeah of course Um, So I wrote about starting college and returning to college in the times of coronavirus and social distancing. Most California colleges are starting instruction online this fall, which is something that's really notable. Uh, So that's the community college systems, the Cal State universities and the UCs um, have all like basically stated that they're going to be mostly online. And a lot of other students have had to change their plans because of coronavirus. For example, a lot of folks don't want to pay out-of-state tuition for an online class. So this has changed a lot of people's plans. And I spoke to high school seniors in Sacramento, one going to a city college, one going to a UC, and one going to a Cal State University. uh, Just to kind of see how going to school in times of social distancing and the possibilities of going to school online this fall is going to affect them and all of their decisions. And it was definitely really interesting. They had a lot of insight. And as was kind of to be expected, the folks that were planning on moving away seemed to be a bit more unsure and uncertain about how this was going to affect their plans. Um, But in general, they all seemed relatively positive and optimistic for the future so i was wondering any of y'all had experience with your classes moving online or if you know anyone that's had similar experiences and how has that impacted y'all or them yeah i actually have a a friend that just like he he became so frustrated with his online classes that he just gave straight up gave up on one of his classes and he was like i'm just going to take it again next semester 
And I don't know what class it was, but apparently it just did not translate well online. And he was having a really rough time with it. Uh, mm-hmm. But other than that, for the most part, most people that I know have had trouble, but they've been able to handle it, you know? Yeah. Uh, one of the surveys that I cited, there was a Carnegie Dartlet survey of almost 3,000 high school seniors. And about a third of them said that if classes were online this fall, they would not be attending the same school. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah. so it's definitely changed a lot of students' plans at the very last minute, you know? I think it's really funny because you are legit at the source of this problem right here. Like, mm-hmm. when we're talking <laughs> yeah. about you in Las Vegas and going to go check it out, and, uh, like, what do you feel about that uh, out-of-state tuition fee? Would you pay that? Yeah, I mean, because of, like, the way that, my situation worked out I think I would have been fine with like academic money and stuff like that the only concern I have is whether or not like debate is going to happen and how that's going to impact my like aid package with my school it's all just kind of up in the air because no one really knows what to do this isn't really something that's like precedented so all the activities that a lot of folks rely on for uh aid money aren't really sure what's happening either like Mm. And you were no, going there specifically no for the debate, right? And yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's definitely That's like tough. a yeah, like a situational teeter totter. Yeah, definitely. And no one really knows what to expect because no one knows when we're going to be able to have gatherings again. And certain things, like there have been online debate tournaments that even I've attended, and things have like worked out fine. But I don't know if they're going to do entire seasons of debate online. You know, mm. and that's just for me but like for folks who are playing sports and we're planning on going to college on athletic scholarships oh my gosh most sports games probably aren't going to be happening next season so a lot of folks are going to have to either reevaluate or something will have to be figured out for college athletes so for those people are there are there scholarships just being revoked i'm not sure i don't think anyone really knows but i know a lot of uh athletes and people who are participating in activities they have these contracts that have stipulations that are saying like as long as you're an active member of the team but if the team isn't active no one really knows what that means for the scholarship recipients you know right so that's definitely something that will have to be discussed pretty soon if it's not being already you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's rough yeah i have um someone that i know that He's about to enter his fourth year of City College. He's been trying to transfer for like two years uh, and is about to enter his fourth year of City College to avoid paying um, UC tuition. He's going down a medical route and apparently it's going to be very expensive. Mm-hmm. This could be anticipated. Yeah. 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 And all the folks I talked to were super insightful about like the ways that their school's responding. And everyone seemed like they were trying to like gain something from this. But you could also tell that a lot of folks are not optimistic about the prospect of returning. It doesn't seem like that's going to be able to happen. Mm-hmm. And like one of the people I interviewed, Mitch, said, I'm going to move into the dorms because I want the college experience because of the prestige of his university. But like also just the shift in mindset that comes with moving away to college versus staying at home. Like, if you're starting college coming straight from high school and you're doing it the same way you finished high school, will it really feel that much different to you? Like, 
if I'm finishing my senior year online in my house and I start college online in my house, you're not really going to have that like difference. It's just going to seem like more high school, you know? Mm. Yeah. It is like high school. I mean, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but yeah, I really do feel for <clears throat> first time college students that are dealing with this situation. It's definitely, uh, definitely one of those things, especially uh, with the topic of uh, what I had to write about recently, student home and homelessness. Oof, tongue twisted as well. It's, it's contagious. <laughs> as we all know, like homelessness is a big homelessness is a big thing in uh, Sacramento. But you, it's not too hard just to be like, wow, there's a lot of homeless people out right now. A funny story that me and my mom's uh, husband used to have is there would always be a little barbecue that the homeless would have every week where they'd all come together and whatever they would have in this parking lot just come together and one person would drag a barbecue and they'd have a little homeless barbecue. Pretty interesting. Almost like a potluck. But um, what we're going to be talking about is uh, I had to recently write about student homelessness and uh, I got to chat with a few representatives from the Sears survey, uh, also known as the Student Expense and Resource Survey. Patrick, I got in contact with him, had a good meeting uh, talking about just kind of the different things. I had a few questions about what demographics were affected, Latinos and African-Americans. Obviously, I feel like people knew that that was kind of the idea because if we come together we can tell that we are oppressed because we are definitely that type of culture speaking from latino terms um different situations that could also lead to homelessness family situations uh even one that i'm i very was blind to was gender identity uh families not being okay with people being a certain gender because of however they want to perceive and how their traditions have grown up as was definitely something that kind of flew over my head until we started discussing that, um, as well as financial aid and how to get that info. That's kind of how they gauge in the Sears survey who gets what and who's really more at risk than others, because I'm sure we could all use a few hundred bucks here and there, but who actually needs it to feed the family, to actually continue education and that's willing to, is kind of the hardest part to gauge, especially during COVID-19, because you can't meet face to face. You can't kind of learn a person's family and their background and their history and of how they work and how they move as a human being to understand that this person is in dire need of this financial aid right now and kind of just getting that full circle with patrick was really interesting brought me to light a lot more because i see this on a day-to-day basis i know some people who are really struggling even being a couch surfer is still considered homelessness because you may have somewhere to sleep in a house above your above your head but if it's with partnered in someone or someone's doing a favor for you it's a lot different but uh on top of that also going into the cares act and <laughs> this was the funny part people keep getting the cares act from Uh, messed up with the coronavirus uh, act that's been passed but this is the cares program that's actually a part of sac state so people who are homeless people that need uh student services anything uh their their eligibility isn't really too hard as long as you're not taking a class that's fully 100 percent online and as long as you can get fafsa you are eligible for this and their counseling at sac state is actually really cool uh i love reading their website because they have individual counseling from like academic difficulties anxiety all the way down to like stress addiction a lot of different things uh my favorite part about their whole crisis assistance cares is crisis assistance and resource education support it's a lot different than coronavirus assistance but cal fresh that's this is my favorite part is cal fresh if you 
can't afford groceries, they can provide nutritional assistance and they have different programs where you can come learn for just individuals or families in general, like how to budget, how to prepare healthy meals, how to just kind of stay healthy all in general because, you know, what you put in is what you get out, I feel. Learning all this stuff with Sears and the CARES Act, it's, it really made the full circle come together. And especially as what Julie was talking about and me still kind of like going to Sac City. What Luis said was really funny because I felt the same way. I had a difficult class. I kind of had to take a step back from that class because of everything that's been happening. But uh, for someone who might need more resources than I have, they can reach out to these different, uh, the CARES program and Sears survey to understand who's being affected and how to get help, which is awesome. Yeah, that's cool. It's a good resources. Definitely. I got lucky with uh, with Appreciate Mel that. and uh, Maria helping me out with those fines. Thank you very much. Yeah. The coolest thing about journalism is you get to be like a paid stalker. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's my job. That's the best job. way to put it. The, the coolest thing. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I So I was I was reading your article and I was looking at, like, the eligibility for, for CARES, um, like how Sac State students who might be experiencing, like, homelessness right now or a difficult, like, housing situation, what is the eligibility for them to get help from CARES? Oh, like I said, all you have to do is just make sure that you have done your financial aid, your FAFSA. Mm -hmm. And if you have that done, then you could not have a full online course. That's kind of the teeter-totter for everyone, is if you're not taking a class that's fully 100% online, you're still eligible. So say if uh, it might be a half workshop, half laboratory class, whatever, or what's it called, half study, half lab, where you might have to go and participate in something more physical than, than the educational part. But a lot of people, I think, can benefit from this resource because FAFSA is the main thing that California is known for. Mm -hmm. uh, our FAFSA signups are up there, <laughs> which is actually a good thing because people benefiting from this different stuff, whether that they're eligible for it or not, it's uh, still a resource that uh, puts them in a greater handful of other people that can pull from that and say, hey, you applied for FAFSA. Let me send you these other resources that you could apply for now. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, pass the torch on, my man Luis. All right. So what uh, what my article was about this week is actually somewhat related to, to yours, but instead of it doesn't primarily focus on um, college students, it focuses on just renters in general. So now that the state is beginning to open back up and the country is beginning to open back up, a lot of a lot of renters are concerned that they're going to be stuck with this gigantic rent bill because um, because of all of their accumulated rent. Uh, and so people people are looking at uh at how this is really going to affect them and uh, the fact that like you know people who can who are living paycheck to paycheck and ba barely able to afford their normal rent which is usually probably like around a thousand bucks a month uh and now they're stuck with this like three thousand dollar bill for this month and uh a lot of people are just really concerned about that and it seems like the holding off the rent was only a temporary solution and something that was not really thought out too well and was sort of just like okay we're gonna fix this for now and then we'll come back to it later you know which it makes sense i mean it's a lot a lot of what happened when the pandemic hit uh was like 
how can we fix things now and then worry about them later. Something that's really interesting mm -hmm. about this, though, uh, I talked to uh, Kristen Lopez, who's a uh, she's a she's a renter in Sacramento and she's mm -hmm. also a rent control activist. So she she's been involved with this kind of stuff a lot. And she said that this is the first time that she's ever seen uh, renters and landlords um, in solidarity about an issue regarding rent, which I thought was really interesting because basically what they what they want to do is what they're advocating for is that uh, they want they just want the banks to take the loss on this because the banks are the ones that can handle it. Uh, the everyday landlord and everyday renter can't afford to lose that much money all at once. So they want to cancel all uh, all rent and cancel all mortgages and any any like uh, expenses regarding uh, regarding the cost of living in well the cost of uh, housing. And so it, it's funny that like something regarding uh, housing is something that that landlords and renters are in solidarity about because they're usually at odds with each other and basically she was telling me that that rent both renters and landlords just want the banks to take the loss and to leave uh leave the renters and the landlords to uh to just move on and hopefully move past this which i think is like an interesting thought curious what, what do you guys think about that do you think that banks should just take the loss or do you think that yes people should yes <laughs> <laughs> there's money <laughs> They have, they have yeah. money. The slim, they yes, on that yeah. one too. The money is there, like. Yeah. Yeah, this is not the recession right now. We, no one's pulling all their funds out of the bank because of the coronavirus. There's still money in the bank, and there's not a drought happening. I just feel the same way. Like it's funny speaking because my landlord, he actually came through, and the first month of the coronavirus, we paid him, me and my roommates, and. He was like, wow, like out of all of my houses, you're the only one that paid me. And he has 12, 12 different properties. He's rich. It's fine. Those, yeah, that's, what it, that's what I was like. Our, it's not like like he doesn't charge us up. The, or sorry, excuse me, anything like that. But it's just in general that we were the only ones to pay. We're like, wow, like you don't realize how dire people can't make this. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, yeah, we we had to scrape for that, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, what Kristen was saying, too, is that there's so many people that are living paycheck to paycheck that this would just devastate them and and probably for like a few years like they would they would be in a rough spot but yeah also something that i thought was interesting that she brought up was the uh, uh aside from if if the banks can't take the loss which i mean that's a whole nother discussion <laughs> but uh, she she uh said that we should pull from the military budget uh and her reasoning for this aside from that we spend so much money on the military was that we should pull from the military budget because the military budget is there for the, the purpose of uh, protecting us from invaders. And she described the virus as a, as an invader. Uh, it's, it's invading it's invading our country and it's killing people uh, and it's destroying our uh, destroying our way of living. So we should take the money from the military budget that is it, that is intended to prevent things like that and use it to help people uh, during this hard time. Yeah, they didn't do their job, so let's take their money. That's I, I'm, I, I agree. I mean, we could also pull from all the police funding. Let's stop funding the police. Let's just fund all Americans, all renters and landlords. And there, there you yeah, go. Yeah, remember that? Like, I'm serious. That armored truck that's like half a million dollars? We could just send that back. It's all good. Exactly. Yeah. Get, right, yeah. Cute, cute. I hope they kept the receipt. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, if yeah. Uh, people are going to be like funding, we're actually all funding like the militarization of our police. So let's just use their money. Like it's fine. This is pretty weird of you to be advocating funding people. <laughs> no. She's like, it's taxes. I know. Man. I know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it would be a good idea though, because those those things aren't like needed at the moment and i feel like we should put put the money where it's needed the most you know exactly and yeah i think that i think that giving potentially millions of americans a place to live over giving millions of dollars to the military that they already have i feel like there's, there's a lot of things that we could do to uh, to fix this yeah <laughs> well that's all we have for today's podcast be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Access Local and visit accesslocal.tv to read more of our content. Bye. Awesome. Bye. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>